Greetings. This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we're not going to get you rich. There are balls abound all over the internet. We'll be happy to take your money to chase down that lie. At best, we might make you a little less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Godspeed. Start the show, Mr. Swaff. Hello, hello, Rob. It is uh, Jay Swaff from jswaffsports.com. Follow me at uh, jswaffsports. How was your week, Rob? My week was pretty good. I went to the damn Grand Canyon, tiny little canyon in northern Arizona, throw rocks into it. Um, no, it was good, man. Had a uh, had a nice outdoorsy weekend and got out of the heat in old Phoenix, which is still doing that hot thing right now. So hot right now. Very, very hot. Very nice. Your uh, your beloved Cardinals were actually in my neck of the woods uh, this weekend. They were up in Baltimore catch, playing the Ravens, a little bird battle in uh, Charm City. And uh, our buddy who works for the Cardinals, we uh, met up on Saturday, uh, caught up a little bit, talked a little Cardinals football, talked uh, a little ASU football. We actually watched the ASU game and uh, saw our Devils take down the, the Spartans uh, from Michigan State, which was fun. Tell uh, me that wasn't good... the most the most ASU way to win a football game, though. Oh yeah, it was it was great. It, it was. Uh, very ASU. Also, I think the Pac-12 came out and said that we should have gotten a flag at the end of the game. So, McCoy literally stole it. It was pretty good. But, yeah, got, uh, had the under in that game, which is great. We're going to review my picks here shortly. But I had the under in that, so it was double double great, in the words of Dewey Cox. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, then Sunday I actually got guilt-tripped into spending time with, with my family. Uh, it was the last day. The pool was open. So as things are cooling down where you are at, they're cooling down here, but in a, in a bad way. So all the family was over. So I luckily isolated myself for most of the time when I was over there and watched, watched a good amount of football. But I, I didn't do it in like my, uh, my setup. So I couldn't be all live betting, you know, to the max. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually had a pretty good weekend. I went three, one and one with, with my uh, picks. Had Virginia uh, over uh, Florida State minus seven. Uh, that pushed. Uh, I had BYU plus four and a half. That won. They beat USC. Uh, had Arizona State, Michigan State under 44 and a half. ASU won 10 to seven. So it was nice. I had that teaser BYU plus 10 and a half and uh, Iowa State plus seven and a half. Iowa State did lose, but they, kept, they only lost by one. And the bet I did lose was Iowa State. I took the money line. If had I taken one and a half, I uh, I would have won that bet. Kind of in retrospect, I mean, you don't want to be too results oriented, and you don't want to, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, I took the teaser because I thought it was going to be a close game, and uh, you know, probably got a little greedy there. Should have taken the points, but you live and you learn. Uh, I also mentioned on the podcast that I liked Virginia up to minus. Uh, anything less than 10 points. So that kind of just shows you, let's say you got Virginia minus seven and a half and you were like me and you, you got Iowa state, their money line or uh, instead of taking the points and 
uh, what could have been a four and O day is a, is a two and two day and you actually lose money. So for me, you know, had I bet, you know, like I said, as sports bettors, we have so few things in our control, but the price you, the number you get and the price you pay is something that is in your control. And had I done made more optimal decisions, uh, I'd be up two more units than I was. So I was, I was up two units, which was nice, but I really should have been up four units. And, uh, you know, that's a big difference at the end of the year, you know, a, a two unit swing, uh, is a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things you kind of review it and, and get better for next time. But it's just showing you things we can control. We can't, you know, call the plays. We can't, uh, you know, tell the coach to put who to put in the game, but we can control the, the price we get and the number we get. So, uh, just, you know, be better for next time. And then, uh, the NFL, I went five and one. Uh, I was up 4.29 units. I had that Falcons bet, which I was looking to trade, but um, the, I liked the way the Falcons were playing, and the Eagles actually had a lot of injuries. So I decided to just stick on the Falcons. I had a two-unit play on that. Uh, the Eagles came back, and they almost won the game, kind of lucked out with the Falcons kind of regaining control. Um, but, yeah, so that was that would have been a four-unit swing. So instead of being up four, just over four units, I would have been just over break-even. So just kind of showing you about the randomness and not being result-oriented and, you know, can't let the results affect you one way or the other. Uh, and then I also had the Chiefs minus six and a half. Uh, I had that teaser with the Falcons and the Chiefs. I had the Broncos Bears first half under, which was a pretty great bet. Uh, only nine points were scored in the first half. And the Steelers Seahawks over for 47. I, I, that was kind of lucky. Ben Roethlisberger got hurt in the second quarter. Uh, it was only 10-7 in the first half, so that was pretty lucky. And then I had the Panthers, which I live bet minus four when they were down three to nothing. They actually had the ball in Bucks territory nine times, but uh, they didn't get any touchdowns. Cam Newton, his career actually might be over, which is really, really weird, but he looked god-awful, and I, he, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. So uh, we're going to talk about all the new quarterbacks that are going to be uh, in the old NFL today. But uh, did you catch any of those games or anything from my bet stand out to you there, Rob? Yeah, what, like, if you could get in your head from a week ago, that money line versus um, taking Iowa State plus one and a half, where, where was your head at and what was missing there? You kind of framed it like, you were being greedy or maybe too aggressive, but what was what was going on? Right. Well, so I had a teaser with Iowa State plus seven and a half. So I teased up that game. So I kind of already had a position with them with the points. Mm. And mm-hmm. I thought Iowa State should have been favored their home. I, I like to coach a lot. I knew it was going to be a tight game. But then you think about it. Well, you knew it was going to be a tight game because these rivalry games are often very tight. And just those styles Iowa and Iowa State play. Well, if you knew it was going to be a tight game, you should have taken points, you know, so it's mm-hmm. one of those things. If you think it's going to be a higher scoring game, then getting you know one or two points is is not nearly as important as if you think it's going to be a lower scoring game, which it was. It was the final score was eighteen to seventeen, eighteen to seventeen. So that's a that's a fairly low, very low score. And you know that's why I took that teaser because I thought it was going to be uh, a close game. So it's kind of like, well, mm-hmm. you already did this research. You already thought it was going to be a close game. Uh, you know, maybe this is where instead of you know, I took the money line, so I would get an extra essentially 13 cents had I won. But was that worth a point and a half? And the fact that I can't answer that in terms of like, you know, what, is that percent worth it shows that, okay, that's a, that's a hole in my handicapping. I need to find out the percentages, you know, of a game with an expected total that low. 
So like mm-hmm. I said, it's just kind of reviewing it and, and digesting it and getting better for next time and just showing you. And I've done this pretty much for, you know, about a decade pretty seriously, you know, relatively seriously now. And I'm still making mistakes and still trying to, you know, find holes in my handicapping. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what I mean by that. If that, that clears things up. It does. I think that's interesting. It's sort of like when you do this, you're putting together like three or four factors. It's like, okay, it's a rivalry game. I like this and that coach, injury, weather, whatever it is. It's your job really to stack rank those. And what you're saying is in retrospect, you should have stack ranked the, okay, um, it's not going to be high scoring rivalry um, over, um, over those like that extra little juice that you had on money line. Right. Exactly. Just, and like I said, it's all contextual and that's the biggest thing with sports betting. And I think that's why it's so funny where, you know, there's always these trends where it's like, Oh, uh, you know, 13 point, uh, underdog is, uh, you know, after a back to back, uh, you know, after a tsunami hit Japan, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I mean, you know, that's just got no relevance to it. every game is contextual, you know? And, you know, you, you know, you can make data do anything. So you can find a trend for any game, pretty much any side. So you, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but you want to look at it and kind of just break it down. So it's like, you know, hey, what did I like about the Iowa-Iowa State game? Well, I like that Iowa State uh, had a bye the week before. I like their coaching staff. They both play good defensive football. You know, Iowa is, is a, a very much a, a program that doesn't beat itself. You know, they, they play, you know, they pretty much win eight to nine games every year. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not like they're going to, you know, boat race you. They're not going to beat you by like 50 points, you know, uh, in a shootout type format. So just one of those things where, you know, just just breaking down your thought process in the game. And it was a game I thought was going to be close. And anytime you can get points in a close game, you should take it. And, uh, you know, not not 100 percent of the time. I don't want to make it a blanket statement because, like I said, everything's contextual. But now, the more I look at it in retrospect, uh, not even the result oriented, just looking at uh, you know, all things saying, yeah, you probably should have taken it anyways. So, but yeah, like I said, it was a great week. Uh, could, it should have been better, but you know, we, uh, we move forward. We, we, uh, carry on. I like it. Why didn't you, you know, like, what was the deciding factor in not live betting the Eagles? Right. So the Falcons, game is the Sunday night game is the primetime game uh I just knew the fact so the starting position I wanted was the fact that the Falcons really got embarrassed week one by the Vikings um and I have a lot of respect for the Falcons as an organization Dan Quinn's a good coach Matt Ryan's good quarterback you know so I knew the Falcons were going to give a, a hell of an effort coming back home the Eagles last three times they played the Eagles had beaten the Falcons so it was kind of just like a you circle that game and I just – I respect the Eagles a lot. I, I think I still think they're going to go to the Super If I had to pick one team, you know, probabilistically, they're probably like 25 to 30% of the time they'll go to the Super Bowl. But if I had to pick one team, they would be the team I, I think are, is going to end up in the Super Bowl for the NFC. And I just have a lot of respect for them. So I, I thought Falcons at some point in the game is going to have a 7 to 10-point lead. We're going to get the Eagles at 2 to 1, and then we'll lock it in. And it really was kind of, it ended up working out exactly like I thought. I mean, the Falcons were dominating that game. They came out, I mean, they were big hits, a lot of injuries for the Eagles they had, but Carson Wentz just like made some incredible throws to keep them in the game. And they ended up taking a lead. It was like 2017 and, and uh, three minutes or two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then it was like a fourth and three and the Falcons had a screen pass to Julio Jones that 
ended up working out and uh, they, they scored a long touchdown off of it. So, but I just, I watched it and they had injuries. I mean, Carson Wentz actually missed a, like almost a full series. So anytime a quarterback could potentially hurt, I just love the way the Falcons were playing. They were hyped up. They had a lot of energy. Uh, the defensive line was getting good pressure. It's just one of those, like I said, feel things where, you know, it, it, you know, I've been doing this long enough where I said, you know, it, it would be a negative expected value play to take the Eagles here. So, yeah. Word. And then Cam Newton, dude, what makes you say, is this like a popular thing that uh, people think he's, he's done done or are you just extrapolating from the way that he was playing? He was awful, man. He was, he was fucking terrible. Uh, they played on Thursday night and you know, you always watch more intently and maybe a harsher critic when you have money on it. But he was just, like I said, they got across the 50 yard line nine times and they didn't score a touchdown. Uh, it, they, he just missed wide open throws. He obviously looks hurt. He had off season shoulder surgery. And this was one of the things I wrote up in the, uh, preview preseason preview. I really wanted to bet against the saints cause I, I like the Falcons and I, I think the Panthers have a lot of talent. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel, other guys like that. But his health was kind of a big question mark. And I mean, just watching those two games, the Ram, the first week one against the Rams was the same way. He just it wasn't impressive at all. Uh, and I, the reason I really think he he's not going to play this week is because the Westgate, and we're going to go over the Westgate Super Contest lines at the end of the show. But they just posted their lines for this week for their Super contest and they have the Cardinals a three-point favorite which essentially means they don't think camp's gonna play so uh yeah I mean plus the Panthers took Will Greer from West Virginia this year I think if they you know if they go 0-3 or 1-3 the writing's kind of on the wall it's like hey let's see what we can get out of this year with Will Greer going the offseason knowing you know do we need to draft a quarterback stuff of that nature so uh it's you know they, they lost two conference home games the Panthers I mean you you miss the playoffs like probably 85, 90% of the time when you, when you do that. So, yeah. RFP Cam. 10 years, dude. Hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he was like a running back for like five years. So it kind of makes sense. But anyways, some other things I learned, uh, the AFC is pretty much a two horse race. The chiefs and Pats, they rule the top and everyone else kind of playing for third. The Ravens could, could kind of put a end to that, that kind of, thinking because they play the chiefs this weekend but uh we'll talk about that game at the end of the podcast but i think it's pretty clearly chiefs pats i saw a tweet saying that they should just play a best of seven for the afc playoffs instead of you know letting the other teams <laughs> in which i think would be good television uh whereas the nfc is like completely opposite it's wide open especially with the drew Brees getting hurt i'm not going into the season i wasn't big on the saints mostly because of Brees. uh Obviously, didn't expect him to get hurt like this, but it's a completely wild card. Uh, I'm not a huge Rams guy. I do think Sean McVay's a great coach, but I don't think Jared Goff's that great. You get a natural regression when you lose the Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles look good. I mean, they're one and one. The Cowboys look like weird, uh, world beaters, but they they have the easiest three game stretch I've ever seen. And yeah, I, I'm, we'll talk about that as we get forward. But to me, I still don't think they have enough to go to a Super Bowl, but it's still early. Uh, the Bears, Packers, Vikings, they could all win in the conference, so the NFC is completely wide open. I'll be looking to take some futures on teams that maybe lose a game or two because I think – so six teams make the playoffs. 
uh, one through six could easily win the the conference. So, you know, you catch a team off a two, you know, a bad two game stretch or something like that. The, the Eagles lost this week. If they, they lose another game in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably be looking to take them things of that nature and, and just trying to get some value on that. Cause I think it's going to be a crapshoot come playoff time. And then another thing I learned, the dolphins are confirmed, not trying to win. We talked about this um, last week when we said, man, look at that Patriots dolphin spread, you know, my my found what was like it nineteen? Yeah, it was nineteen. And the foundations of of me, you know, as a sports better, were like, you gotta take a division game at home, like you know, with all these points. But I just, it's one of those contextual things. I I said it last time last week. I, I said, I really think what the Dolphins are doing is unprecedented. And I actually, I think it's smart what they're doing. You know, let Bill Belichick get another year older. Let Tom Brady get another year older. Just hoard picks. But in terms of this year, they're just not trying to win. Um, and I don't think we're ready to make money off of it yet, but it'll get pretty soon where we're going to be able to make money off of it just because Joe Schmo is going to be say, Oh, who the fuck are the dolphins playing? Like I put, you know, put a bunch of money against that, you know, on them. And it's just going to be so ridiculously inflated. So I'm actually hoping the Cowboys whoop their ass this weekend so we can get even more inflated lines. Um, but one note, I did want to make a little fancy football advice research the Jets and the Dolphins schedule maybe a week or two in advance and see who they're playing and take that team's defense because, uh, you know, that, that team's defense has been putting up some serious points against those two teams. Now the Jets are on their third string quarterback and the Dolphins, like I said, uh, are not trying to win games. So, uh, um, yeah, a little, uh, you know, fantasy tip there for y'all. Uh, I did post that, that, uh, article last week about tracking the marketplace and that's kind of the, the handicapping tool we want to go over and then we're going to have the first week of a weekly segment where we we do the nfl pickums, and then i'm going to talk to you all about a couple of picks that i'm i'm looking at and that should wrap up the show so i posted this article called tracking the market 101 i had a lot of people reach out to me about it and have some questions so i, I thought it was good to address this Rob, you took a look at it, uh, essentially just showing people how I track the market, what website I use to track it, and how I use that uh, to my benefit, how I, I you know, use that to bet on games. What were the biggest things that kind of stood out to you when you read that article? Yeah, I thought it was convenient and interesting that it's just one like free website that's pretty good and easy to use. I think it's interesting, like as a comparison to something like watching uh, a stock market or like a futures market for financial commodities, this is all pretty much all tables. And there's also pretty different prices at different books, right? They're not like tremendously different. And this is the NFL that's supposed to be the most, like if there's an arbitrage, someone is going to be, I don't know, ostensibly big money is going to be chasing that down. But different lines at different places so like you're you probably need to have a pretty good um idea of tendencies of like one versus another um and then i thought it was really nice that on any given one they tell you the time that something changes so i was i was expecting less info when you drill down into a different book and a different game but it's it's telling you right when they're moving um so some of them have like you know, you double click on, I'm looking at um, Detroit at Philadelphia. This has moved a bunch of times. It's a huge thing to scroll down through. 
and not through a huge it's not like a, a bunch of movement that's dramatic but it is a bunch of little moves which i guess confirms the tightness of these lines but uh, although i got how you're tracking this and sort of what you're doing to apply it i'm interested in when you look at something like this what pops out to you and what are you looking for specifically of course we talked about how you would kind of listen to the wisdom of the market that says hey this line moved are you looking for things that surprise you are you looking for confirmations of a thesis that you already had are you looking sort of open-ended for anything and everything yeah it's pretty much um just let the market speak to me type of deal so uh, i talk about often my circle of competence so there's definitely more teams and more divisions I, I feel a better grasp on just from maybe the coaching tendencies or just have following them better or just a, just a better feel. So if anything from the line movement, I see that's in my circle of competence. Um, it's more of a confirmation, you know, and it's really just bringing, uh, uh, making me alert to the, to the move. So essentially it's like a red flag and I go, re- if, I, if it doesn't make sense to me, I go research it. Uh, I remember some Tim Ferriss podcast was kind of talking about how uh, I'm butchering the example, but some like Starbucks was being put in, in some like Middle Eastern uh, country and the reader, the guest on his show was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would they do that? And, and the discussion eventually came to uh, the world always makes sense. It's your understanding is, is what doesn't make sense. So, uh, well, well, you know, obviously we're looking for inefficiencies in a marketplace. So maybe we don't take that example completely literally. At the end of the day, there's a reason why money is moving one way or the other. Whether you agree with that reason, that's up for another day. You know, it's up for another conversation. But you need to at least un- understand or attempt to understand why it's going to. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes, you know, you try to research it and, hey, I can't get to the bottom of it. I guess the market is just higher on, uh, you know, Tampa Bay than me, you know. And that, that might be fine. But at least you know you've come to that conclusion. You know, you should never be surprised by, oh, wow, the, you know, the star wide receivers out. Like, I didn't know that, you know, so it, it's it, it's really for me, it's a red flag. It's it, it alerts me to, OK, something's happening and I need to know why. And what what's good about that is I can, you know, for example, let's say, you know, Drew Brees, the, the Seattle New Orleans game was the look ahead line was New Orleans minus one in Seattle. And now it's. Um, Seattle minus four and a half. So that's a five and a half point swing. So now I can look at it and I say, do I think Drew Brees is worth five and a half points? And that's something I can address personally because the market has said that that's how much he's worth. And now I can say, well, you know, I think he's actually on a downward uh, you know, um, spiral and I only had him worth about three, three and a half points. So maybe then it helps me identify value, if that makes sense. So you you can't just track this without having some sort of database or numbers that you use. It's just something that complements it, if that makes sense. You know, it it helps you um, categorize your data points and and your power rankings, things of that nature. And, you know, it helps you quantify your edge. So even though I'm, I'm not a strictly, you know, numbers guy, I do a little art and science, I do have numbers that I use and and, and I put teams on ranges. So I put teams, you know, if I have them power ranked as an 88, I'm, I have them ranged at like an 86 to an 89 or 90, depending on the situation. 
you know, maybe a Monday, certain teams play better on Monday night football. Certain teams play, you know, could be a scheduling spot. They had to go to the West Coast the week before. Now they have to go back again. I would have them on the lower end of that range. So it just helps you you track everything, um, and especially the derivatives market that we talked about, which is like first half betting, second half betting. It helps you pick up on patterns there where there's tending to be, you know, it's a little bit more inefficient than just straight up, uh, you know, ATS pregame spreads that we always talk about how they're really just so hard to beat so we try to stick away from them uh but yeah it's really just something to incorporate it shouldn't be an end-all be-all you should have your numbers you should have your uh research and your you know kind of like your your uh so it's your qualitative what's that context context yeah context is everything exactly so it's just you know it, it, it's Another tool for you to have, and it, it, it's not the end-all be-all, but it also does help you give get context and supplement uh, your handicapping. So, I mean, that that's how I, I use it. And especially in smaller markets like college basketball, which is great, is you might be made alert of a, 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 you know, a team is extremely overvalued or undervalued, and you can bet that three or four times. The NFL, you pretty much get like a one or two, two max game window, and then the market catches up. So then you got to go look for that edge somewhere else. Uh, so yeah, in, in a market with so few a opportunities to be and b just inefficiencies, it, it helps you stay sharp and not miss. You know, as it tries to make you aware of as many inefficiencies as possible because it's impossible to have your pulse on every team. You know, every you know derivative. Oh, they're really good first half. They're really good second half. So tracking it kind of helps you become aware of that. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. It sounds like this is a tool in the toolbox and that for NFL in particular, watching these is not like this is not a very noisy market where these lines mean these movements mean nothing. Right. If they're right. moving, it means something. So that's signal, not noise. Yep. Exactly. And you need to find out what that noise is. You got to find out what that signal is, with the reasoning behind it. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, now we've talked about the good old NFL. Let's uh, get to our weekly segment we're going to do here. So I had a couple of people reach out to me and ask if I would do like an NFL pick them, which I like. This lets me kind of address every game. This week, there are seven starting quarterbacks. So I'm counting Cam Newton not playing. Seven starting quarterbacks that were not their team's intended starters this week. Um, this is one of the worst betting card so like the games this week one of the worst games of the week I've, I've ever seen just some of these games are just completely like impossible to handicap and quarterbacks have such a huge impact that um it just you're putting money behind these educated guesses and that's really what they are they are their weekly educated guesses is something i really can't recommend so it pretty much like nixes quarter of the games if not half the games and remember, I usually only have about you know three, maybe four or five plays a week. So you now you're taking away thirty percent on most of those games. You know, it's kind of tough to find games. And like I said, we don't want to just bet just because we can bet. Um, but I'm going to run down these games. I'm going to give you the against the spread uh, pick and the winner of the game. There's a little bit of game theory here. I, uh, certain games, you know, you get a little bit of extra value for taking the underdog just because the average person is going to take the favorite. But I'm just going to run through them. We are using the Westgate Superbooks uh, lines that just came out. So if you're not uh, – and that's for their super contest. It's essentially, the it's almost like the World Series of, of poker. It's like the World Series of handicapping for the football contest. So they, they set out lines 
on Wednesday that don't move. So obviously you can take advantage of it as more information comes out. But since we record on Wednesday, we think it'd be the, the fairest thing to do. So week uh, the first game is the Thursday night game. Tomorrow night you have Jacksonville and Tennessee. Uh, I have Jacksonville plus two and uh, the winner being Jacksonville as, w- uh, as well. This game, I don't know how you can put money behind. Uh, preseason, the Jags were minus three favorite, but obviously their quarterback, Nick Foles, got hurt. Jalen Ramsey is uh, requesting a trade, but he's going to play tomorrow. I talked about how Tennessee has a very narrow uh, range of outcomes. So, And Jacksonville is pretty much a complete question mark. So there's just too much uncertainty for me to put real money behind this. That being said, a home underdog. There's a reason it's not three. I had a friend reach out and, and tell him, you know, tell me to look at some of these angles and I really like that when it's in between uh, kind of one and three there's a reason so that's something I know he's tracking and I've been tracking as well but uh, yeah so I like Jacksonville plus two and Jacksonville to win the game but to put real money behind it it's it's uh, pretty tough next the first game on the card is Denver at Green Bay this is this is a tough one um, Denver this is pretty much Denver season Preseason, the the line was minus six. Now it's seven and a half. Denver's 0-2. They absolutely got jobbed last week against the, the Bears. Uh, I'm going to take Denver plus seven and a half. It's just too many points. The line's inflated. Uh, but the, I have the Packers winning the game. Um, Did you just say that Denver got jobbed? Yeah, they got jobbed. They got, they got screwed. They took our jobs type of deal. Oh, it took our jobs. I was thinking Steve Jobs. Yeah, Steve Jobs. No, Steve Jobs. Thank you for putting us on Apple. Uh, by the way, Steve. <clears throat> Philadelphia minus six. Also, Philly being the the winner of the game. Uh, that line seems about right. So it's pretty much a coin flip for the minus six. But I'll take the clearly better team and the better coach. And Philadelphia just lost. So you know, good teams off a loss is a spot I, I like to be behind. Next game is Kansas City minus six and a half. Versus Baltimore, so I uh, I had a futures bet on both these teams, so I'm obviously you know a fan of both of them. But I thought it was interesting how preseason Kansas City was a seven point favorite in this game, but now they're now it's has only changed six and a half. So Baltimore has like kind of been all over the media and the news, uh, uh, but they've really just had a scrimmage in Miami playing the Dolphins. That's all that was. And then last week they played the Cardinals at home, and they were three third. 13-point favorite, and they only won by six, and they really let the Cardinals just hang around way too long. And that was the first road game for Kyler Murray and, and head coach Cliff Kingsbury. And I think this is a solid team, the Ravens, but um, they're, they're a type of team they love running the ball, and that style of play is great against bad teams. But when you're trying to play catch-up, it's really hard to uh, keep up with an offense like Kansas City's. So this is actually one I'm, I'm going to look to bet probably in the week. It's minus six and a half. As long as it stays under seven, I'll probably be on it. I still have to to do a little research. There's something I like to read on Thursdays as a person I follow, and I want I want their thoughts before I send it in. But I was on Kansas City last week, and it wouldn't surprise me if I'm on Kansas City as well. It's also Kansas City's first home game, and it's one of the best home environments. Next, Buffalo. Uh, I like Buffalo minus six as well as being the winner. This is home opener for one of the best home field advantages. Uh, their defense is real. Josh Allen, his quarter, their quarterback, is is the real deal. He's a little reckless. He's a little bit of a wild card, but uh, I really, I'm I'm high on this Buffalo team. Uh, they've had two road wins. Yes, it was the Jets and the Bills, but still, that's impressive. 
and uh, the Bengals just they don't look too good. But it's you know still early. Next one is Atlanta plus one and a half. Also Atlanta to win the game. Uh, I think Colts new quarterback Jacoby Brissett is actually a good quarterback, but this is more just about the Falcons. I'm uh, pretty high on the Falcons. I think they got their confidence back after that Sunday night victory. They also kind of sensed the doors opening with uh, Breeze being getting hurt. Uh, yeah, just really impressed with them Sunday night. I wouldn't put money behind it just because I do respect the Colts. Colts at home, home dog, um, home short favorite. They've looked good on defense and offense. They could have very easily beat the Chargers week one. Could be 2-0 and right now, so I wouldn't put any real money behind it, but that's my, my pick them. Uh, Minnesota, minus 8.5. Also winning winning the game. Uh, they love to run the ball. The Raiders have yet to go on the road. Uh, this is just a pretty pretty straightforward bet. I think the the Vikings at home is a is one of the tougher places to play. So that's pretty straightforward. The next two are real fun. Uh, New England is a twenty two and a half point favorite. Twenty two and a half point favorite. Preseason they were a seven and a half point favorite. That's over a. Uh, two touchdown swing, and it, I wouldn't be surprised if this closes at 24. So two big reasons for this is New England has looked like God so far this year, and uh, the Jets are on their third-string quarterback, so not a good uh, combination. I don't know how you handicap this game. There's too many uncertainties. I just picked New England because they're New England. Could not put any real money behind this. Segwaying to our next game, Dallas minus 21 and a half. So I have I will lay that and also uh, the winner being Dallas in that game. Like I said, I couldn't put real money behind this, but the Dolphins, they're as bad as any team I've seen in quite some time. Obviously, we know why they're doing it, so I respect that. But in the meantime, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty gory out there. Uh, next, we have Tampa Bay, minus six and a half. Tampa Bay was minus four in the preseason. They, had, they played in the Thursday night game. So they have extra rest, three days extra rest and prep. They're at home. And also, I don't know if you heard the news, but Eli Manning got benched, Rob. So here's another new quarterback. Uh, good old Eli Manning is no longer the quarterback. It's kind of a change in the guard in the old NFL here, Rob. It's our, our childhood's just slowly, uh, slowly leaving here. It's pretty emotional. Yeah, man, that's really hitting me hard. <laughs> I just remember being in uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, and wondering why there were so many Giants fans. And then once I put it all together, <laughs> just being like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a moron." But uh, yeah, good old uh, Daniel Jones is going to start this game. So you add everything together; it's a rookie making his first start on the road. Four days extra rest for the Bucks. They have a better coaching staff. Um, I'm actually looking at betting this game minus six and a half. That's a phrase I never thought I'd say Tampa Bay minus six and a half, but, uh, moving on to the next game. So right now we have Panthers plus three. So this is indicating that the lines makers think cam will not play. And I actually think that's going to benefit the Panthers. That's how bad cam has been playing. Um, I like the Cardinals this year, but plus three, I think it'll kind of galvanize Panthers kind of have to, it's a must win game. So I have the Panthers plus three as well as um, Panthers winning the game, but couldn't put real money behind this. Next game is a Seattle-New Orleans game. This really pissed me off because I had this spot circled. I love Seattle this past weekend. I, I saw that they were playing the Steelers. I thought they were going to lose that game. 
I thought the I thought New Orleans, who Seattle's playing this week, had a real chance to beat the Rams. So I waited to bet it. Like I said, New Orleans last week, the look ahead line was um, them being favored by one. Seattle goes out and wins because Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. And then New Orleans goes and loses and obviously loses their quarterback. So now Seattle is a four to four and a half point favorite. Like I said, now I can't, there's too many question marks. I can't put any real money behind this. But if I was forced to choose, I would do Seattle minus four and Seattle winning the game. Uh, Like I said, the, the Saints had to play in LA last week and now have to go back out west and go up to Seattle, which is a very tough place to play as well. Uh, San Francisco, minus six and a half over the Steelers. A pick on I have San Francisco in this game. But the new quarterback for the Steelers is Mason Randolph. I know nothing about Mason Randolph other than he went to Oklahoma State. Once again, another game I don't understand how you could put real money behind. But if I was forced to choose, I would pick uh, San Francisco. Then Cleveland, Pickens died, so that may have T- something to do with it. Pickens, yeah, yeah, the uh, big donor, the billion-dollar donor, absolutely. Um, the next two games, actually the two primetime games, I do have thoughts on and probably will have real bets on. Cleveland plus three against uh, the Rams. I'm in a noted anti-Jared Goffer, especially on the road. I didn't think we'd get the Cleveland plus three here. It's actually leaning towards the market. looks like it might actually move to three and a half. If it goes to three and a half, it's not going to stay there long. I will gobble it up. Um, but even if it's at three, I'll most likely be on Cleveland. I'll also probably have this game teased up. Uh, Jared Goff on the road should not be a three-point favorite against a team as talented as Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland has some holes, but um, yeah, th- these two teams are essentially they're, they're saying that the Rams would be a six-point favorite on a neutral site with the with cleveland which uh you know even though preseason this game was like around a two i still think that this is a little bit of an overreaction and i'm surprised we're getting the browns at a bit of a discount and then last but certainly not least or actually least uh the redskins playing the bears on monday night football i have some uh pretty interesting stats about this uh redskins team and first of all this is an anti-redskins website and podcast just getting that out there they are one in ten on uh monday night football since uh, 2013 they're two and 15 since 2008 four and 20 since 2001 i know i talked about trends things of that nature and how you can make numbers do anything but this is just about the franchise they they just crumble on prime time they're soft in general i, I really don't even like uh the bears in this spot Mr. Trubisky has not looked good. I might end up betting the under, but if it does get to Chicago minus three, right now most of the places have it minus four, I will be on Chicago minus three. Um, if not, I might take the under as well. But I would wait for that minus three. Uh, so, yeah, to recap, the game's um, kind of circled in right now. Kansas City minus six and a half. Uh, Bears minus three I'm waiting for. Cleveland I'm waiting for that plus three and a half. I, I will tease that game up. And then also the Saints uh, Seahawks under first half, 22 points. I think Seahawks like to run the ball. The Saints are going to kind of feel things out with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the bets I have so far. College football, the two only ma- major notes I have uh, is I, l- I had Georgia thir- minus 13 and a half. That's now gone. If it gets back down under 14, which is where it's at right now, some places 14 and a half, I would, I would say take the dogs. 
uh, Georgia Bulldogs minus 13 and a half over Notre Dame. And uh, the Michigan game, so preseason, this is a Michigan-Wisconsin game. Some places had this game, Michigan being favored by six or even seven. This game right now is currently at Wisconsin favored by three and a half or three. So that's a massive, massive swing. Um, I'm probably not going to bet it, but that's just an interesting swing. If you have kind of any reason to bet Michigan, you're getting probably a discount. Uh, but I haven't seen enough from from Michigan to really warrant a bet. I just kind of made a note of that. Uh, anything stand out to you, Rob, about the bets or the pickums or anything of that nature? No, that's a big um, it's a big spread for Georgia. That's that's large. I thought Notre Dame was um, on the up and up, so a little surprised on that one. But other than that, no, um, looking good. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I'm not gonna just give picks just to give picks. This NFL card is is really just it's it's tough. There's quarterbacks too big of a uh, important of a position, and we have seven essentially new quarterbacks starting, and you know two spreads over twenty over three touchdowns. I've never seen that before, and just not enough data points. Um, but if if I do add picks, I will post them to my Twitter at jswasports. Uh, as always, reach out to us. Uh, before we go, I did want to mention one thing. Shout out to loyal listener and friend of ours, Jubba Man. Um, our buddy, he he did the Beat the Streak. So I don't know if anyone ever played this, but I highly recommend it. Started next year for the MLB season. But you essentially pick uh, a person to get a hit every uh, any game. And you can actually pick two in, in, in the same day. No more than two in the same day. And if you beat Joe DiMaggio's streak, so Joe DiMaggio had 56 uh, consecutive game hit streak. So if you pick a guy to get a hit 57 straight times, you win $5.7 million. And our buddy Jubba Man had uh, 41, and he was in fourth place nationwide. They've had this contest for 17 years, Rob, and no one has ever won it. And our buddy was 16 games away from winning. Uh, which is really impressive. But I just want to shout out my man, uh, Jubba. And for everyone, you know, hey, it's a free contest. You got nothing to lose. You know, dream big little dreamers. You know, Rob? (laughs) I do. Tell everyone how far you've ever gotten in that. And then also tell them about the the bet that I was trying to interfere with today at the D-backs Marlins game. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so most I think I've ever gotten is like 15 or 16. So the fact that he got 41 and he was just like casually doing it at the end of the year. Like I had to remind him, I was like, dude, there's only like 20 games left in the season. And he's like, oh, for sure. And then he would just would keep firing and just day after day would get it. So I was super impressed with him. Uh, we're super excited to do it again next year. And then, uh, yeah, you went to the Marlins D-back game today. And I, I told you that I had the under ticket on the Marlins 64. And uh, I think apparently you were trying to catch some Bartman foul balls for, for the <laughs> – <clears throat> the Marlins to help out the Marlins there to try to screw my bet. So I, I really appreciate that, Rob. It means a lot to me. That plus heckling Archie Bradley for throwing too many fastballs. It was fun, but D-backs took it. So your bet's still still in play. Yeah, I think they have to win out. I think they have to win out to for me to lose. So, hey, if they do that, it's all good. I'll find a bridge. And, uh, <laughs> and then I actually have a really good sweat too right now. I have the Cubs 87 and a half. And a half. I think they're at 82 wins right now, so they, they can win five more games. 
and I think they have 11 or 12 more games. So it's like every night I'm watching Cubs games really intently. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, we'll save that that fun for for the March podcast when we get ready for baseball season. But now we're uh, kind of locked and loaded with the football season. And uh, I think we'll just see everybody next week. Cool. Sounds good. Peace, y'all.